The word for word. Please repeat. Dwari. In the door. Both doorkeepers. Both doorkeepers. Entered. Entered. While singing. Without asking. As before. Yata as Udota made of gold, Badra and diamond, Kapatikaha, the doors, Ya, which Sarvatra everywhere, Te, they, Avishamaya, without any sense of discrimination. Without any sense of discrimination. The great sages. Sadrishtya. Out of their own will. Ye. Who? Sancharanti. Move. Amitaha. Without being checked. Vigata. Without. Abhishankaha. Doubt. Translation by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. The great sages headed by Sanaka had open doors everywhere. They had no idea of, quote, ours and, quote, theirs. With open minds, they entered the seventh door out of their own will just as they had passed through the six other doors, which were made of gold and diamonds. Please repeat. The great sages, headed by Sanaka, had open doors everywhere. They had no idea of ours and theirs. With open minds, they entered the seventh door out of their own will. Just as they had passed through the six other doors, which were made of gold and diamonds. Report by The great sages, namely Sanaka, Sanatana, Sanandana, and Sanatkumara, although very old in years, maintained themselves eternally as small children. They were not at all duplicitous. And they entered the doors exactly as little children enter places, without any idea of what it is to trespass. That is a child's nature. A child can enter any place, and no one checks him. Indeed, a child is generally welcome in his attempts to go places. But if it so happens that a child is checked from entering the door, he naturally becomes very sorry and angry. That is the nature of a child. In this case, the same thing happened. The childlike saintly personalities entered all the six doors of the palace, and no one checked them. Therefore, when they attempted to enter the seventh door and were forbidden by the doormen who checked them with their sticks, they naturally became very angry and sorrowful. An ordinary child would cry, but because these were not ordinary children, they immediately made preparations to punish the doorman, for the doorman had committed a great offense. Even to this day, a saintly person is never checked from entering anyone's door in India. 
Dvari Tayoni Vibhishura Mishapura Krishna Purava Yata Purata Vajra Kapati Kaya Sarvatrati Vishamaya Yamaksu Krishna Yesancharancha Vihata Vigata Vishamkaha The great sages headed by Sanaka had opened doors everywhere. They had no idea of ours and theirs. With open minds, they entered the seventh door out of their own will, just as they had passed through the other, the six other doors, which were made of gold and diamonds. Mukum karoti vachanam bhangam nadehim jatripadamaham One thing that's apparent is that these doors were very nice. The doors to Vaikuntha. So there's a series of gates that one has to pass through. First gate, second gate. It's a process. And then the final gate is the seventh gate. And that's where Jai and Vijay were stationed as the doorkeepers, gatekeepers of Vaikuntha. Um, You may wonder why Vaikuntha would have such gates, because no one can even get there unless they're qualified. Uh, and that qualification is extremely rare. When the living entity becomes sufficiently uh, purified and elevated through the process of <coughs> practicing Krishna consciousness, then the living entity can go back home, back to Godhead. So just to be able to get there, it's not like you just walk down the street and you pass by and all of a sudden like, what? The gates of Vaikuntha. Let's go in and check it out. Uh, it's not that easy. One requires qualification to go. And certainly the four Kumaras are highly qualified saintly persons. They're actually the first sons of Brahma. So the point is made here in this section, not in this verse, but they may have appeared like little five-year-old boys coming naked, going hither and thither, free and unchecked, but they are actually superior personalities by age and qualification to everyone else in the universe. They're elders to their uh, brother, Lord Shiva, who, when the four Kumaras uh, first appeared, then they were ordered by Lord Brahma, their father, the creator of the universe, that now you increase the progeny. You provide more population. This is your duty. And they declined that request or that order of their father, Lord Brahma. Uh, no thanks, Spots. We don't want to get involved, entangled in this business of household life, uh, wives, children, economics. So much trouble, so much difficulty. We prefer to remain self-realized sadhus, and that's what we're going to do. But Lord Brahma was not pleased because he had given this order and his sons had disobeyed his order. And he became extremely angry. He became so angry, so disturbed that at that time, 
He furrowed his brow, and then the Lord Shiva appeared from his forehead. And Lord Shiva is Rudra, the master of destruction. He knows how to manifest that anger. He performs this dance at the time of the cosmic annihilation. That's his time to shine. Uh, he does this Tandava Nandritya, this dance of destruction. And when he dances, his dancing is so forceful that the entire cosmos rattles apart to pieces. That is the power of Lord Shiva. There are many great qualities of Lord Shiva. Vaishnavanam, Yadakshambhu, as we've heard here many times. Amongst all the Vaishnavas or devotees of the Lord, Vaishnavanam, Yadakshambhu, the greatest is Shambhu, Lord Shiva. Why is that? Who knows? Why is he the greatest? Because he's always meditating on the Yes. Very good. Doing your homework, reading your books. The Lord Shiva says that in the fourth canto. That I'm always meditating on the Lord, on Lord Krishna. Bhagavan Vasudeva. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vasudev, he's always engaged in that meditation, in that Krishna consciousness. Uh, and that Krishna consciousness is beyond the ordinary mode of goodness. Uh, Satvam Vishudam. It's not Satvagun, it's Vishuddha Satvagun. Shuddha Satva or Vishuddha Satva. In Sanskrit, the word V is an intensifier. So not only is Shuddha pure, Sattva Shuddha or Shuddha Sattva, but Vishuddha Sattva. It is super pure, totally pure. And in that consciousness, pure Krishna consciousness, meditating on the Lord, the Lord is revealed without any covering. Ordinarily, you can't see the Lord because he's covered by his energies. And you cannot see him without having the proper qualification. <clears throat> Just like you can't. An example can be given of the President of the United States. You can't just go see the President of the United States. You have to have some qualification. Like your basketball team won the championship and they invite the whole team. So they can go see the President. They have the qualification because they won. They were the big winners. That's a Monday example, but it gives you an idea. Who gets to see the President? Leaders, members of Congress, his advisors. Um, and apparently other people like call girls and crooked business associates and Russian spies. That's who gets to see the president. They have the qualification. So this is all the news we're just making life. So in order, in other words, in order to enable to, be, to see Krishna, you have to have the eyes to see the qualification. So, what is that qualification is explained in the Brahma Samhita. Premanjana charita bhakti valochanena sadak sadaiva kridayeshu valokyamti yam shama sundaram achintya kunaswarupam govindam adi kurksham tamaham bhajami. So, those whose eyes, premanjana, 
are smeared with the salve. Like if you have a disease condition, sometimes they give you some stuff to put on your eyes. The doctor will give you some medicine. And particularly in traditional medicine, like Ayurvedic medicine, they'll make up some combination of herbs and make it into a salve. And then they put that on the eye, and then the medicine heals uh, whatever is wrong with the eye. So uh, in order to be healed from that disease condition, you need that medicine. So there is a salve called, that uh, in Sanskrit it's called Anjana, Premanjana, the salve of Prema, of love. So in order to be able to properly perceive the personality of Godhead, your eyes have to be smeared with this salve of love. That is a very special salve. That's not something you can just go to the herbal store and buy. That prema, premanjana, chiriti bhakti balochinina. Because that prema anjana, the qualification is bhakti or devotion to Krishna. Just like we were seeing here on the screen earlier, it was not connecting to the internet. It said, server not found. So you couldn't connect because you couldn't find the server. Well, the devotee is the server who gets connected to Krishna. So when we see a devotee, we say, ah, the server is found. We have found the servant of Krishna. Gopi Bhartu Padakamalayor Dasa Dasa that um, we worship Krishna in the mood and following in the footsteps of the gopi bharatu parakamali or the gopis. Um, we want to become the servant of the servant of the servant of those gopis. Gopi bharatu parakamali or dasa das anudas. The servant of the servant following in the footsteps of the servant. So that is the position of Krishna consciousness that is exhibited by Lord Shiva. So it's not very often that people who live in the material world go and visit the spiritual world and come back. There is another example in the Shastra. Who can cite that example? Of someone who's an inhabitant of the material world going to visit the Lord in the spiritual world. Yeah, Narada Muni. And who else? Durvasa Muni. When he offended Maharaj Ambarish, and then, because Ambarish is a great devotee, the Lord was faultless, and Durvasa picked a fight with him. Then after that, the Lord Sudarshan Chakra began to chase him all over the universe. And he was going hither and thither, trying to get some relief because that Shivarshan Chakra was chasing him and scorching him from behind. And it was a very dangerous situation for him. So he actually went to Vaikuntha to take shelter of the Lord because it's the Lord's Chakra that's chasing him. Okay, let me go to Vaikuntha and ask the Lord to please call off the Chakra. And he was able to go and get the darshan of the Lord by virtue of his uh, mystic power and purification. He's a very elevated person, actually. Although he has his tendency to pick quarrels with devotees. Not a good tendency. 
If any one of us, if we find in ourselves the tendency to pick quarrel with devotees, uh, we should find the means to get rid of that tendency because we might get chased by the Sudarshan Chakra. And we can't go to Vaikuntha, just come in and see the Lord, as Dravas did. But when Dravas Muni asked the Lord, please, call off your Sudarshan Chakra, I surrender at your lotus feet. And the Lord said, sorry, I can't do it. It's beyond my power to do it because you have offended my devotee. Therefore, you have to go beg mercy and forgiveness at the lotus feet of that devotee. Then the Sudarshan Chakra will back off and not threaten your very existence. So he did that and he was saved because he committed an offense at the feet of the devotee. Therefore, he had to go to that devotee and beg forgiveness. And naturally, Maharaja Amrish was, of course, he didn't take offense, although an offense was committed against him. So he was very amenable to forgiving Durvas Muni. So that's how he was saved. So, um, in, in the purport, it's mentioned how the four Kumaras, in the form of these five year old boys, generally. The little kids can go kind of anywhere and do anything. They remain unimpeded uh, and they can wander hither and thither and no one will stop them uh, because generally little children are, you know, not, don't have the same motivations as adults do. So they're cut a lot of slack. They can kind of get away with stuff because they're kids. You know, they do something wrong, you pat them on the head, all right. That again. Um, so there was another incident mentioned in the first canto of the Bhagavatam where Shukadeva Goswami, at age 16 years old, he was leaving home and his father, his father Srila Vyasadeva, the literary incarnation of God, was following him. He wanted him to come back, but he remained in the womb for a very long time. Actually, he wouldn't come out of the womb at all until they brought Lord Krishna to reassure him that when you come out of the womb, you will not fall into Maya. Because he was a very uh, saintly and self-realized person, even within the womb. So he remained in the womb a very long time, an impossibly long time. According to some accounts, 12 years. According to other accounts, 16 years. But anyway, a long time. And though the parents were very anxious for the child to come out of the womb, I mean, come on, what you doing in there? That's, you know, come on out, life's waiting for you. But he refused to come out of the womb until they brought Krishna, who reassured him. So then after he came out of the womb, then he just left home. So he was wandering, like the four Kumars also, he didn't bother to dress himself. Um, and as he was going along the bank of the river, there were some ladies bathing in the river. So they weren't dressed. And they looked up, saw someone's coming. Oh, it's Shukadeva Goswami, this pure saintly person who has no prurient interest at all. And he just walked by and they were like, okay, that's cool. It's Shukadeva Goswami, pure saintly person. And then his father, Sri Vyasadeva, came. And they saw him and they grabbed their clothes. Woo! 
It's a man. Um, because they made a distinction. Because Vasudev, he's the householder. And um, even though he's a literary incarnation of God, still, uh, they hastily covered themselves. So that example is there. Whereas a little kid, you know, an innocent, pure little kid, whatever, who cares? Um, so these four Kumaras, because they're not really on the material platform, they're on the spiritual platform, they really made no distinction between what is mine and what is yours. They had no conception of possession. Everything belongs to Krishna. So they felt no difficulty in going through the various gates of Vaikuntha. And they did, the first six gates. But then they got to the seventh gate. Jai and Vijay were there, looking kind of mean for some reason. That, that will actually be explained later. We're not going to cover that topic today. Why did Jai, Jai and Vijay stop them? Why were they looking angry, which is a description in the previous verse there? Nostrils were flared, eyebrows were crooked, scowling. And they were these gatekeepers of Vaikuntha, what's going on with that? So we'll hear about that later. But this concept of possession, mine and yours, completely absent in the four Kumars because they had nothing and they didn't take anything. So um, they were akinchana, tuam akinchana vocha. They were possessionless. So actually the Lord, according to the Srimad Bhagavatam in the first canto, He's the possession of those who have no possessions. Their only possession is Krishna. That is not the same as a homeless guy in the street, you know, with his rags and filth and maybe his shopping cart, but he's got basically nothing. That doesn't mean that he has Krishna. No, he's, he is so absorbed in the lower modes of nature, especially the mode of ignorance, that there's no comparison. But these saintly persons are not in the mode of ignorance. They're in the mode of pure Krishna consciousness, higher than the mode of goodness. So, Chanakya Pandit explains that there are three qualifications of a learned person. Those three qualifications are not a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and a PhD. No. In ordinary... Um, Society, those are considered to be the three qualifications. But according to Chanakya Pandit, the qualifications of a learned person are symptomized by his vision. He sees, a learned person, that when he sees the suffering of others, he feels that as if it's his own suffering. He sees it as his own suffering. He feels it. You know, your pain is my pain. Just like a parent, when they see a child, their child, hurt in some way or suffer in some way, then they feel very compassionate towards the child and want to try to relieve that suffering because they love the child and they're the parent. That's just a natural thing. That doesn't have to be taught. That's just instinct. Uh, of course, the more cultured and civilized the person is, the more they exhibit that. And then they see um, all other people's possessions as having no personal value to themselves. 
They see that they see that others' possessions. It's like garbage in the street. Does that mean you take somebody else's stuff and you trash it? No, no. It means you see it as not to be touched by you. It's not mine. I can't touch it. I just leave it. Just walk away, like some garbage in the street. You don't go like check it out, go through it. Hey, look what I found. No, it belongs to someone else. It's not mine to utilize. Therefore. I don't disturb it, I don't covet it, I don't try to take it. This is not the prevalent mentality in the material world. Uh, but that is the vision of the saintly person. And the third thing, the saintly person sees all other women, except his own wife, as mother. What does that mean? That means that he doesn't look to all women to be enjoyed by him. Now, an ordinary person, ordinary men are trained up how? Like to check out every woman and size them up for the possibility of some enjoyment, some exploitation. That's normal consciousness in the material world, is it not? In our culture, it certainly is here in the West. Uh, but that is not the vision of an elevated person, a learned person. A learned person, all other women, they belong to Krishna. They're meant to be enjoyed by Krishna, not by me. So that is a very high qualification there. That's that's wonderful qualification. You know, in ordinary parlance, the man may be sitting with his wife somewhere in public, and some woman walks by, and the guy's going, <laughs> tracking devices on, and his wife gives him a dunk slap. Hey! What's the matter with you? Is this what I married? So, um, but a learned person doesn't do that. His tracking device, it's off. He just switched it off. Don't need that anymore. Been there, done that, don't go there. <clears throat> so, um, one nice point that we can also find in this is that everything actually belongs to Krishna. In Bhagavad Gita, fifth chapter, Sarva Loka Mahishwaram. He's the Lord of everything. That means everything belongs to him. He owns everything. Everything is his, is given his. Now each of us has our quota that we're given by the Lord, depending on our karma, etc. Of a certain amount of facility we have in the material world. That is also meant to be used in Krishna's service. So we might say, well, everything belongs to Krishna. Let me use everything in Krishna's service. But everything is not yours to use in Krishna's service. We have to understand this distinction. Otherwise, we just go steal everything. You know, bring it all back to the temple, go rock the bank, sell cars. And you know, everything belongs to Krishna, right? And it's meant to be used in his service. But Krishna has not given that to you to be used in his service. You have to be intelligent enough to make a distinction. Because there is a phenomenon that I have observed during my <clears throat> multiple decades in the Krishna conscious movement, where the devotee may become illusion. And that illusion goes something like this. Everything belongs to Krishna. Right on. Okay? I am Krishna's servant. Therefore, 
Because I am Krishna's servant, and everything belongs to Krishna, therefore everything is available for me to use in Krishna's service. Or maybe not, at least to enjoy for myself. Let me just take it. I have seen this with my own eyes. I had a songbook, the old Vaishnav songbook, a blue plastic thing, and on the cover I had written my name. And I left it in the temple room one day. Oops. Came back later, gone. I figured, well, I had my name on it. Somebody will find it and they'll give it to me. A year later, I found the book laying somewhere, and they had crossed out my name, <laughs> or tried to, but it was still showing through. They use a magic marker to cross it out, but you can still see it. And I thought, what the heck? Even an ordinary person, you find something that's got somebody's name on, hey, you lost your thing, here it is, you give it to them. I'm not speaking about Christian, but just normal, like honest, good old-fashioned, salt-of-the-earth country people. Oh, hey, you dropped, you know, or like you're walking along, you drop your wallet. Somebody says, hey, you dropped your wallet, man. A thief wouldn't do that. A thief would be like, keep on walking, keep on walking. <laughs> but an honest person, yo, you dropped your wallet. You need that. Pick it up. So, um, again, that's that thing. Well, I'm Krishna's servant. I can use it better. He doesn't know how to use that Krishna's service properly, but I can use it just right. So... That is, that is a type of illusion where one thinks that things that don't belong to one are not given to one by Krishna to use in his service do belong to one and one can utilize it however one pleases. So we, we want to be careful about that, especially because we live communally and we don't want to take things that belong to other people. Although such things happen, but we should try to uh, conduct ourselves in such a way that we minimize that. If something belongs to someone, Prabhu, this belongs to you, do we? You lost it, is this yours? So. I had written down here, everything is Krishna's. I'm Krishna's servant. Therefore, everything is meant for my enjoyment. <laughs> Watch out for that one. That one will get you into trouble. So Srila Prabhupada, he was very, he's a very expert devotee of Krishna. And he wants to engage the whole world in Krishna's service. So he was able to do that, take large chunks of the material energy and convert it to the spiritual energy by using it in Krishna's service. And that is actually the difference between material and spiritual, because the material energy is also Krishna's energy as well as the spiritual energy. We see Krishna has three main divisions of his energy. His internal spiritual potency, his external material potency, and what's halfway in between, the living entities. Right. That means, that halfway in between means it can go this side, it can go that side. It can go to the material side, that means the living entity being Maya. Or it can go to the spiritual side, it means the living entity taking shelter of Krishna's lotus feet, loving Krishna and serving Krishna. So a living entity can go either way. Depends on his intent and his association. <clears throat> so the material energy, although temporary, 
and manifest in a temporary way is actually Krishna's energy and can be engaged in his service. And when you engage the material energy in Krishna's service, it regains its spiritual quality. What is the, everybody's favorite example of that principle? Prashadam. Exactly correct. You take things, grains, beans, rice, spices, ghee, oil, olive oil, rice bran oil. <laughs> you take ordinary material things, products of the material energy, and you combine them and prepare them in very nice ways and offer them to Krishna, then it becomes prashadam. And that prashadam has a distinctly different quality than ordinary food in so many ways. It's completely wonderful. And then when one takes that prashadam, one becomes purified. That's why I say everyone's favorite example. Because it's having these mature bodies are attached to eating. So that which appeared to be the material energy has become spiritualized by contact with Krishna, by being used in Krishna's service. And that is completely wonderful. The same thing with your body and your mind. Even while living in this material world, if one engages in the service of Krishna, how, how does one do that? Karmana manasogira. Karmana by one's activities, by one's work. That means devotional service. Karmana manasa by engaging one's mind in the service of Krishna. By always thinking about Krishna, always meditating on Krishna, always chanting the holy name and hearing. That's activity of the mind. Karmana manasa gira. Gira means this power of speech, always speaking about Krishna discussing the topics of Krishna consciousness, which is, according to Bhagavad Gita, what devotees do, they discuss amongst themselves. Matschitta makata prana bodhayanta parasparam kitayata chamam nityam tushanti cha And what is one result of that talking, engaging in Krishna kata? Tushanti cha Devotees become very satisfied. Um, the translation is they feel great bliss Enlightening one another and conversing about me, Krishna says. So, um, therefore, it's a threefold process. Karmana manasogira. Chant Hare Krishna, work for Krishna, and talk about Krishna to those who, to the devotees and to the non devotees, to anyone and everyone. Always. Satatam kirta yantam Krishna says later in the Gita. Satatam. Always, kirtayantomam, chanting my glories, bowing down before me, perpetually, nitya yukta upasate, perpetually engage in my service. Nitya yukta, yukta means connected, engaged, like the word yoke. Yukta, kind of sounds like yoke, like the oxen in the yoke. They're, in, they're connected to the yoke and they're engaged in serving the master. Nitya yukta upasate. All right, so those are some ideas. Anybody would like to reflect on these things and give their realization? Yes. I was just thinking the uh, suicide chakra. Mm -hmm. 
there was JC and Wes Moody. Mm -hmm. I could have easily reached him, but Krishna just kept it a little bit at a distance just so he could learn that lesson. So he just went on to the universe and checked with his man driving. That's right. He wanted to get Kept the pressure on, but he didn't take him out. It's kind of like a dog, you know, chasing you, bite, bite you, nipping at your heels, but not tackling you and eating you. <laughs> but you think he's going to. So that's pretty fearful being chased by the Zuyashantra. I haven't personally experienced that, but the chakra is very hot and very dangerous. And if it comes close, you're in a heap of trouble. Okay, someone else? Some reflection? The chakra represents eternal time, time factor. I read that. Right? Mm -hmm. That's right. That's the weapon, the chakra. That's right, the wheel of time, which defeats everyone. With every day the sun rises and sets, a day passes and is lost. It's gone. That time is gone. It can't, it is, it's over. So that's a waste of time for the ordinary sensualist or materialist. But, for a devotee who's engaged in chanting Krishna's glories, that time was well invested and utilized. And so it's not wasted in sense gratification, but it's invested in serving Krishna. So when we're in Krishna consciousness, in every day, every moment, is we're investing in the future. And we're being very productive. We're utilizing our time wisely. Because by investing one's time in the service of Krishna, then one receives immeasurable return and benefit. Far beyond our wildest imagination, the destination that awaits us in the spiritual world. We can hardly understand what it must be like. But we know it's good. And we know what this world is like. And we know how fraught with difficulty life is in this world. If there is anyone out there who thinks that life in this material world is not fraught with difficulty, uh, please step forward and we will give you a dope slap. Well, wake up, you joggle. Okay, anyone else? Yes. Seems like in, in, in Goloka Vrindavan there's a lot of variety, obviously, with the Rasas and how devotees are able to relate to Krishna. In Vaikuntha, it looks like there's more of a uniformity kind of, um, you know, what, well, what's up with that? It's a different mood, but it's not without complete variegatedness, because in this chapter, Prabhupada is describing all the variegatedness. The bees humming, the airplanes, the consorts with their, the, the, the residents of Vaikuntha with their sweethearts, he says. So they got sweethearts. Yeah. So it's not just like a monolithic um, it's not like that there's a lot of nectar i mean that would be fine <laughs> okay if you can't have the highest ras and you're going to be you know a resident of vaikuntha that's cool the residents of vaikuntha they're not like 
oh man, this is just too boring. Everything's good. I want to go to Gloka Vrindavan and you know, hang out with the gopis and the cowherd boys. So everyone has their destination and their individual vessel with Krishna. And there are varying degrees of, you know, the highest rasa is the Madhurya Lila, the, the highest prema. But those who are in other rasas are not dissatisfied. Oh man, I'm just a Chintamani stone house in Vaikuntha. I wish I could be a gopi. I'm out of here. I'm going to go to Goloka. But it's not like that. One is satisfied in one's position in relation to Krishna. There is no anxiety. Vaikuntha means no anxiety. There's no lacking. There's no imperfection. But there are varieties. There are plenty of varieties in Vaikuntha. You got the goddesses of fortune. You got people doing all kinds of service. Um, you got the gatekeepers doing their service. In this case, it kind of messed up. Mm -hmm. But they're doing their service. Everyone's happily engaged, satisfied in serving right. Krishna. Does everyone look the same? Not identical, but everyone has bodily features like the Lord. Yeah. Bluish forms and forearms, forearm forms in the right. Mm. Those are pretty cool bodies. Imagine yeah. you can play two different drums at the same time. Yeah. Or four different drums. The forearm drummer. You could play sitar and top at the same time, be a one man jam band. <laughs> same time. Yeah, that guy's really good. He's like a little orchestra there. So there, there, there are many good qualities there. If you end up going there instead of a local Vrindavan, you're not going to sweat it, I guarantee. Mark my words. Okay, anything else? All right, thank you all very much. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai, Shri Mad Bhagavatam Ki Jai.